2: it is sny.tv's the juice on the cuse podcast covering syracuse basketball lacrosse and football
0: today on the juice on the cuse podcast on sny.tv we'll be talking about the start of the 2013 football season and a trip to canada for the basketball team I'm Wes Chang and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman and our guest today is Syracuse.com football beat writer and friend of the show Michael Cohen. Mike, thanks for being on again today.
3: Yeah, no problem. Anytime. I love joining you guys.
0: Uh, Mike, I I think the question on everyone's mind right now is the quarterback controversy. You know, we have Terrell Hunt, we have Drew Allen. What's the latest on this and who do you see ultimately winning this battle?
3: Well, the latest is that today is a huge day in the competition itself because Syracuse will be scrimmaging. Uh, Thursday at at Fort Drum today, Um, and that's going to be big because this could be one of the last chances in an all-out scrimmage that uh, the guys have to impress the coaching staff. Right now, I mean, you know, you hate to say neck and neck because it's so cliche, but I really think it is neck and neck. Um, You know, Obviously, Terrell Hunt had a bit of leeway coming into the season because he performed so well in the spring and Drew Allen was new, but Tim Lester, the quarterback's coach, said Drew Allen closed that gap really quickly and now it's just two guys fighting it out. Um, the one big difference I've seen in the limited amounts of practice we're allowed to watch is that Terrell Hunt seems to prefer these 10 to 15-yard throws, very short, a lot of dump-offs, whereas Allen isn't afraid to take a shot downfield. Um, maybe that's something the coaches are interested in looking at. You know, Maybe Drew Allen, you know, we all know he has a better arm deep downfield, but if they're really looking to stretch the field, maybe they go that way. If they're looking for more short West Coast offense passes, maybe they go... Uh, Terrell Hunt. Ultimately, who do I see winning it? I still think it's Drew Allen. You know, I've waffled on it a little bit, but I think it's going to be Drew Allen, uh, just because he, he gives you the ability to, to have a deep threat that I don't think Terrell Hunt's arm can do right now.
0: Now, there's some other position battles that are going on that are less, I, know, I don't know about less significant, but at least less known. What are those position battles, and how do you see those unfolding?
3: Well, the wide receiver is certainly uh, an interesting position for Syracuse. Obviously, they lost Alec Lemon and Marcus Sales, who were two really productive and steady players for the Orange uh, last season. So, right now, it looks like Jared West is kind of trying to become that number one receiver. Um, you know, that's a tough transition. I don't necessarily think he's talented enough to be a number one receiver, but he's certainly trying. And Syracuse needs him to step up as much as he can. Other guys at that position, you know, there's a there's a ton of them that could fill in. Adrian Fleming has the size to be a great receiver at 6'3", and just over 200 pounds, but he's never been able to step up. Um, He's never been able to stay healthy, rather, I should say. He's a senior who has zero career catches for Syracuse. Then you've got guys like Jeremiah Cobina who had a great season opener against Northwestern last year with two touchdowns. But then he breaks his wrist, and he's out for five weeks, and he never looks the same after that. Um, so, you know, there's, a, there's other guys, too. There's, there's uh, Christopher Clark, a spot receiver who showed some flashes last year, but he's a bit undersized. There's a ton of new guys, Grizzly Esteem, uh, Corey Winfield, um, you know, P.J. Batten at tight end. So that's a position that seems to be really wide open, and there's as many as six, seven, eight guys that are in the mix. The other one is in the secondary, really. That's the big one. Um, you know, you look at the cornerback spots, and you have Rashard Anderson and Keon Lynn, two seniors, but there's a ton of guys pushing them right now. Um, You look at Wayne Morgan, who's getting time at safety and used to be a corner. You look at Julian Wiggum, who's playing corner and safety. Um, You know, you look at a guy like Brandon Reddish. Uh, You look at a guy like Richie Desir. Um, You know, there's just a ton of guys in that secondary that can make plays that are all pushing for the cornerback and safety spot. And then up front, you know, defensive end is another question mark where it looks like Robert Welsh and Micah Robinson have a firm hold on the two spots but along the defensive line there's still question marks on the interior other than Jay Bromley so it looks like quarterback, wide receiver, defensive line and secondary are the places where the hottest position battles are going on.
0: Mike we're just a couple weeks from the the start of the season now um, and you know that most prognosticators have picked Syracuse to be at or at least near the bottom of the ACC do you see any way that Syracuse proves any of them wrong? Do you see them at least coming up to maybe the middle of the pack at least?
3: Well, I think that Syracuse uh, has a good chance to go 6-6 six and six this year. And if they go 6-6 six and six and reach a bowl game, I think that's a great season under Scott Schaefer, the first year in the ACC. Um, I think the biggest way that they can get above that and maybe make a push for seven or eight wins this season is to have one of the two quarterbacks emerge. Mm-hmm. If Terrell Hunt really can't throw the deep ball and can only throw 15, 20 yards, 25 yards, that's going to be tough because then Teams can load up on the box and they know that the passes over the top aren't really much of a threat. So that's why I think Drew Allen gives you a little bit more uh, flexibility in that sense. Obviously, Terrell Hunt's a more mobile guy, but Drew Allen's the guy who has that live arm. I mean, you know, Schaefer said he threw it 70 yards in practice last week. Um, so I think if one of the two quarterbacks can step up and be a consistent guy, You know, he doesn't have to be Ryan Nassif because Nassif was obviously tremendous for Syracuse last year. But if he can give you 220 yards a game and maybe two touchdowns and one interception, um, you know, keep the turnovers limited, I think that, you know, that can really boost Syracuse because the running backs are solid, the linebackers are tremendous, the secondary is coming along, and the offensive line looks like it's going to be pretty good as well. So I think it really comes down to that quarterback battle that everyone wants to know about.
0: Mike, i want to go inside baseball with you for a sec uh... you know one thing that all syracuse fans have noticed on syracuse dot com you guys are really making a push toward the recruiting angle something that we hadn't really seen in the past what was the impetus for that is that something that you came up with
1: well
3: basically what we decided was with the paper cutting back from printing seven days a week to only printing three days a week we put a focus on as much digital content as we could possibly have and and one way to do that is through recruiting because you know, it's, it's, a, it's an industry where so many people want to hear about it. I mean, you can write a story, uh, you can write a long enterprise story about a player you know, overcoming a lot of, uh, you know, difficulties in his life, or you can write a story about Syracuse being in the running for a four- or five-star kid, and that recruiting news blows up like crazy because that's what people want to read. They seem to want to know who's next, who's next, who's next. So we've tried our best to, to dip into that a little bit, and, you know, obviously we're not scouting rivals, but we're doing it the way that we can, and, and hopefully people are enjoying it.
0: Well, I know I am, Mike. Uh, Mike, always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for your time. Great insight into the quarterback battles and all the other position battles as well as uh, um, some insight into what's going on at Syracuse.com. Mike, thanks so much.
3: Yeah, no problem. Hopefully we can do it again soon.
0: Okay, take care, Mike. Thanks. Michael Cohen, always a pleasure to have him on Syracuse.com, great insight as always. Uh, and now I'm joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief, Brad Bierman. Uh, Brad, we're, we're a couple weeks away from the opener at Penn State, the true beginning of the Scott Schaefer era. What are your expectations and feelings on this year's team?
1: Well, my expectations, Wes, are that this this year's team is going to compete for one of the eight bowl bids that the ACC has, and, and there's even a ninth conditional bid. But... I expect that they're going to contend for one of those postseason bursts. I think that, you know, the preseason media poll in which Syracuse was picked six in the Atlantic Division was more because the media simply, especially most of the media covering the ACC, not familiar with Syracuse and not familiar with the kind of talent that the Orange has. And I think that, you know, when you look at both sides of the ball, of course, the quarterback battle has to be settled, as, as has been much discussed. but uh... whoever's you know figure to be the leader there on offense uh... there's plenty of talent around to score points even against various acc defenses and conversely on defense i like the talent there too and of course you have to be enthusiastic about scott Schaefer leading the charge
0: brad you just mentioned uh... acc kickoff and you were there you were down in north carolina and, uh... I, you know i was talking to you about this and you, you were talking about the big differences between acc media day versus big east media day uh, what specifically were you talking about when you were mentioning that?
1: Uh, just the cultural difference. It was more like you know a multi-day convention at the ACC. You register, and then all of these breakout sessions and interviews, and everything is choreographed and down to the minute. So it was really well done, uh, and just the passion exhibited by everybody in attendance, the media, folks from the ACC office, the fans that showed up. A group piece in the lobby looking for autographs. Uh, just the fervor and the passion for it really stood out, and it was really exciting. It was really a great way to, you know, talk about football there at the end of July.
0: Yeah, and you know, you and I have been to plenty of Big East media days, and, and some of the stuff that you mentioned, I just never saw in terms of the groupies, and it was always just a one-day event, you know, a morning session, an evening session, and then you were kind of out of there. And, and it, it seems like the ACC is is much more of a gala when it comes to that.
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, the tradition. I mean, you're talking about joining, you know, a 60-year-old conference that's been doing these things for so many years. And, and that's a big difference, too, the position, because Syracuse, of course, in the Big East, a founding institution, and, you know, the, the big marquee program, of course, in basketball in Madison Square Garden, now entering the ACC as the outsider, the northern outsider, in the southern conference, it's really going to be kind of juxtapositioned as to where syracuse is going to fit in but i think over time success winning on the field of play will certainly earn the respect among not only the other institutions but the media uh, covering the teams as well
0: and you wonder if that's going to have an effect on the syracuse football community getting out to the games because you know attendance has been down over the last five to ten years And I'm wondering if there's gonna be a shift in that now that they're joining this new and exciting conference. And you're gonna be at that Clemson game, that first ACC home football game. And obviously Clemson, one of the best teams in the ACC, one of the best teams in the country. They are a legitimate title contender, at least as it relates to the preseason right now. Do you think the atmosphere for that game will kind of be like that late 90s, Donovan McNabb, Marvin Harrison era?
1: It's got a shot, certainly hoping so. I'm, I, my first thought about that is that it may equate to the 1998 Tennessee opener in the Dome, mm-hmm. in which you had Tennessee, a team that had never played in the Dome or played up north, uh, like Wake, uh, Excuse me, like Clemson will be. And so many Tennessee fans came, Wes. I think you're going to see a lot of Clemson fans in the Dome on October 5th. I know that from uh, a Clemson fan's perspective, uh, I have a couple of colleagues who went there this road trip is being promoted as the road trip of the year for Clemson fans not to miss, wow. to mix in maybe attending the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, even heading out to Niagara Falls, and uh, if the weather's great for an you know, early look at fall colors and apples and all that sort of thing. So I think you're going to see a lot of Clemson fans in the Dome. Hopefully Syracuse will have had you know, maybe a 3-1 September, at the worst 2-2, two and, two, and get that kind of atmosphere that may be reminiscent of the late night.
0: Now we're looking at that game and uh, it's going to be kind of an orange out and you know that kind of segues into uh, shifting the topics to basketball because you know that whole dome is going to be opened up for the the Syracuse Duke game possibly Um, and I know you you wrote an article in Orange Watch on that a couple weeks ago but it seems like that is going to be a a huge event and a huge uh, you know covered by ESPN. ESPN game day is going to be there and it's just going to be another huge breakthrough uh, for the ACC in Syracuse.
1: Absolutely. I'm going to save my comments uh, for that on my closing thoughts, if you don't mind. But <laughs> sticking with basketball and, of course, the exhibition play in Canada coming up next week, what a fortuitous uh, turn of events for Jim Beheim. You know, teams can only leave the country every four years. So as it comes up this year, what a perfect year to have these extra practices and get all the incoming freshmen and transfer up, uh, uh... you know, used to you know uh, playing together. I think it's just a tremendous opportunity coming up next week, and uh, I, I'm really glad that Syracuse fans will get an early look for the first time in a long time of what the team might look like way before an October practice.
0: And I think it's really important that they get a look at Tyler Ennis because you know, with Michael Carter Williams gone, Trevor Cooney not really a point guard. He's going to be the guy that's going to run the show, Brad. I think he's going to be—he's going to come in, he's going to start right away. He's a local product out of New Jersey, and they're going to get a good chance to see what he can do at the college level. He very, he very much impressed at the under nineteen championships, and I think he's going to be a big time player for Syracuse.
1: I agree, Wes. I, I, I think he's going to simply slip, uh, step in to the role that Michael Carter Williams played last year. Let's face it, MCW was. Essentially, a, a freshman himself, you know, even though it was his second year because of the lack of playing time. So I think Tyler Ennis is going to step in uh, effortlessly, run the SU offense uh, over time, certainly by ACC play. And you're right; he's had, you know, global experience against quality competition, and uh, it's just going to be another plus that he gets these extra games in in Canada next week.
0: now I just mentioned Trevor Cooney, and he had a pretty rough redshirt freshman year. But there's some other guys that I think we should be watching out for. Um, Daewon Coleman, how does he step up in his sophomore year? Will Rakim Christmas ever realize his potential? Uh, will Jeremy Grant take that step forward in his sophomore year? And I think those are all things that we should be really watching out for. And I really think Daywan Coleman can take that next step forward into stardom.
1: I think he can, too. And if you look at the tradition over Jim Bayheim's career, players improve right. <laughs> from their freshman, <laughs> sophomore, and junior year. I mean, just great coaching and uh, these are great athletes to begin with, of course, when they come in and playing summer ball. I see totally uh, only the upside for all three players you mentioned. Coleman the reports ours look great in games this summer. Uh, we saw what Jeremy Grant did at the end of last year. And I think you're going to see a fire lit under Rakeem Christmas this year to really show his maximum effort.
0: Well, Brad, we're right at the end of our show, and I'm sorry for taking uh, your closing thought before. <laughs> so, uh, Please. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, my closing thoughts, Wes, revolve around I certainly don't think ESPN primarily and the ACC secondarily did Syracuse any favors by scheduling the Duke game on Saturday, February 1st. First of all, it's such a monumental event that's being talked about, moved to the center of the carrier dome with the court. That it should be a standalone event, something that's not then now contained over Super Bowl weekend because ESPN wants to have a New York state of mind with sports. A 6:30 Syracuse game, I think it should be more of a prime time, nine o'clock tip, leading into a Knicks Miami Heat game at the Garden. Then, of course, the next day Super Bowl 48 scheduled uh, at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. So certainly disappointed in that, and also Syracuse plays Notre Dame two days later in the Dome on Big Monday. So it really took a lot away from that game by scheduling it when they did. And I'm really disappointed that it's not it, it more of a standalone later in the college basketball season.
0: That's, that's excellent insight, Brad. It, the, it seems like the schedule really didn't work out in terms of how big this is just for Syracuse fans in general. And it's kind of unfortunate that a lot of people are going to possibly miss out on that. Uh, my closing thoughts are on a little bit of humor with MSNBC. Uh, President Barack Obama will be doing a upstate New York swing And uh, when MSNBC was talking about this, they had a graphic where um, Buffalo, Albany, and Syracuse were all on the uh, eastern side of New York. So I guess they, Daryl Gross has been trying to move Syracuse down to New York City for as long as possible. It looks like MSNBC took it one step further. I think the funny thing is, is that 85% of America probably didn't even realize this was a mistake to begin with. So I thought that was uh, pretty, pretty humorous on their part. So that's had to
1: say, uh, they should go to the geography department at Syracuse, which is a pretty good one.
0: <laughs> so that's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you that when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I read that on a can of lemonade, and I think it applies to life. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time.
2: Price Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit pricepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at pricepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.